Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use the promo code SGP for your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. And we're also brought to you in part by SoBet. Sign up and bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io. We're also brought to you in part by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on head-to-head matchups. Download that app today or just head to bettorfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R fantasy.com slash SGPN. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Mm-mm-mm. It is getting good. We've concluded the college football season with a Georgia National Championship win. And now the NFL playoffs take front and center stage with a wild card weekend. We are ready to talk all about it on the only digital radio show and podcast that is dedicated, devoted to those teams that are thought less of. Usually the road team, the team not given much of a chance to win the game. We love talking underdogs here on Three Dog Thursday. I am the somewhat competent host. I've got special guests joining me throughout the podcast straight ahead. Uh, Kevin Rogers will be here from Vegas Insider. I love me some K-Rodge and his insight on the Georgia win over Alabama. He had that from Vegas Insider. I was on the other side with Alabama, so Kevin Rogers will be here to tout that. Kevin is based in South Florida. And the Miami Dolphins have surprisingly fired coach Brian Flores. I say surprisingly, they won 10 games a year ago in 2020. They come back and win nine games, including seven straight late in the year this year, yet Flores is out. Why? And who might the Dolphins be looking at here as a replacement? And what's going on uh, with the coaching carousel right now in Miami? And will they get leftovers? Will they have to go the assistant route again? We'll find out from Kevin. And then he's got some NFL underdog thoughts on the program on a couple of these games this weekend, whether you're talking about the wild card Saturday that has the Raiders kicking things off against the Bengals, Buffalo Bills, and the New England Patriots. To that end, we'll hear from Charles Davis of CBS's coverage of the NFL. Charles on the call with Ian Eagle and company in frigid Buffalo for Saturday night. Charles will be here on Three Dog Thursday to talk about the conditions, these two teams splitting the regular season matchups. Can the Bills take that next step? This year, from just making the AFC Championship game and maybe be a Super Bowl contender, well, it starts with a New England game on Saturday night, so Charles will be here to talk about that. So those are the wild card Saturday games. My Buccaneers, 
B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S. Go Bucks. You'll hear me say that again later on in the podcast as well. Bucks and the Philadelphia Eagles. Lots of conversation will be about that. That leads off the Sunday triple header that includes 49ers and Cowboys. Going to tell you up front, very interested in San Fran as the doggy in Big D in uh, Arlington and Jerry and Jerry's world. Looking forward to talking about that a little bit later on in the programs. Uh, Sunday night is Kansas City and the Pittsburgh Steelers to cap off the triple header. And then a Monday night wildcard playoff game, the first time ever the NFL will play a playoff game by design on Monday night. And that is the Arizona Cardinals playing a third time with the L.A. Rams after those two split, each winning on the other's home field. In fact, uh, one of our guests is going to like like them some Arizona Cardinals in this situation uh, as the underdog. So plenty of conversation coming about the playoff games. Later on, Anthony Beck will be here, the former New York Jet number one pick, the former Buccaneer, the former uh, Arizona Cardinal and Kansas City Chief. Anthony will be aboard uh, to talk with me about that Eagles-Bucks game. He and I got the privilege of calling the game in the absence of the Hall of Famer Gene Deckerhoff and our uh, longtime 15-year radio analyst Dave Moore. They were not able to do the game on Buccaneers Radio due to COVID-19 status for both of them. And so I, I was informed of this actually on Friday afternoon, uh, and then Anthony found out on Saturday, okay, there's a need for our analyst uh, role as well. Anthony was actually in Philadelphia working the Cowboys-Eagles game for Westwood One Radio, so we ended up doubling up, flying back to Tampa Bay where he lives, here in the West Central Florida area that I live. He comes back into the area and works the Bucks game with me, so I look forward to talking with Anthony not only about the Buccaneers' regular season finale win, how fantastic Tom Brady has been, this matchup with the Eagles, but Anthony will also talk Cowboys-Eagles from last Saturday, and what does that mean for Dallas, and what does that mean from Philadelphia? Uh, for this playoff matchup coming Sunday. We'll talk with him about that. And then before we're done, Sean Green will be here from the Sports Gambling Podcast and his brother podcast, Die Hard Eagles. It's on the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows. That's what we're part of as well. Sean will be here to talk up the Eagles. He and I will spar on this podcast. I'm also making a guest spot on Die Hard Eagles talking Buccaneers. So we're going to go some back and forth on what does that regular season win by Tampa Bay in Philly mean? Can the Eagles truly run the ball like they have been on all the bad teams they've been beating late in the year against a very good Buccaneer run defense? Sean and I will debate that late in the show. Speaking of the Sports Gambling Podcast, thanks to them, however you found this show, whether you found it through them, their network fleet of shows on the podcast feed, or whether you found us through sportsgamblingpodcast.com or a social media link, make sure you're following and subscribing as we come your way Uh, On Thursdays, we release the podcast. It stays relevant through the playoff weekend right now of the NFL as well, all the way through Monday night in this case. But you get it automatically on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, if you're following or subscribing there. And we love that. More and more 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 of you are finding this show by the thousands. Uh, The audience, tremendous uh, for November and December in the stretch run. Now here we are in January and ready to talk it all up. All right, so much to get to here on the program. Again, Kevin Rogers in a few moments uh, will have some thoughts on the national championship game. Uh, Kudos to Georgia. Uh, Kudos to the SEC. That is three straight wins for the SEC in the championship uh, by three different schools, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia. That is 12 SEC wins in the championship game of the BCS or of uh, now the college football playoff in the last 16 years. 12 of the last 16. One conference. And it's not just one team. It's not like Ohio State dominating the Big Ten. 
It is also Auburn and Florida that have won national titles along with Alabama's multiple titles and LSU's multiple titles. And now even the Georgia Bulldogs get a win as well. It's truly the most dominant conference. And I know there's so much debate about playoff expansion. I still, I am on the front end of saying 12 is too many. Eight is the right number. Have the five teams that have the highest ranking in each conference of the power conferences. Give me a sixth team from outside of that that's the highest ranked in what's known as the group of five. The other five conferences that matter in college football. Uh, So go to them. Um, and uh, and get one more team, and then have two at-large teams. And in that case, I once again emphasize, as I have all throughout this uh, ridiculous suggestion that there should be 12 teams, because when you have 12 teams, you're going to have the opportunity to have the fourth SEC team and the fifth SEC team that will absolutely be there every year in the playoff. Of the 12 schools, four or five of them are going to be SEC every year. If you want to limit that instead to three out of eight, Uh, a much less number, then limit it to eight. And then everybody plays an equitable number of playoff games. I, I again, would play those four quarterfinal games immediately after the championship games, play them at home sites, and be done with it. And you still have your final four, and you still have your championship game on track with the bowl games and figure that out. You, You don't upset anything by doing it that way. This whole notion that you've got to have 12 teams because ESPN wants more games and more inventory and blah, blah, blah. You don't have to have that. So anyway, they're trying to figure it out, and good on the uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 for saying, whoa, uh, slam on the brakes, we're not necessarily interested in that. Uh, we, we are going to evaluate here as the four-team uh, playoff is, uh, is ending over the course of the next three or four years. And by the way, as somebody who has said all along, they're going to have a four-team playoff for the entire existence of the 13-year agreement that they signed originally with ESPN. I continue to say, now nine years in, with four years to go, they're going to have a four-team playoff for the entire 13-year agreement that they signed with ESPN back before the 2014 playoff season. So just get ready. Get ready going all the way through 2026. There's going to be four teams because the Big Ten and the Pac-12 in particular are going to roadblock it. They're going to stand in the way of it being anymore. Anyway, that's the politics of it. Kudos to Georgia. More on that in a few moments. More on the NFL playoffs. Again, Kevin Rogers straight ahead. Later on, Charles Davis, as well as Anthony Becht and Sean Green with me. So much to talk about, including the crazy NFL finishes, the overtime win by Pittsburgh, and then the overtime near disaster where the Raiders and the Chargers were going to play for the tie in the final seconds so that they could both make the playoffs, only to have Brandon Staley absolutely outcoach himself, vapor lock, and call the timeout that allows the Raiders to rethink it. Yeah, we will go ahead and get the first down and kick the field goal and win the game and eliminate you. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The NFL drama at the end of Sunday, uh, with all the games going on at the same time, including uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's 49ers coming back from 17 down to defeat the L.A. Rams in overtime, and that opens the door for my Buccaneers as the number two seed to have two home playoff games. Thank you very much, 49ers. And again, I'll explain why I like the 49ers more here coming up against the Dallas Cowboys. Let's get to all of it here on this edition of the podcast. Get you ready for the Wild Card Weekend and much more right now. A new year and reunited, and it feels so good. I I often say when I bring him on, I'm not going to sing that. We will not sing that. But we do bring back on Kevin Rogers, who used to be with me all the time. Then, frankly, he just couldn't stand being on with me all the time. In fact, he's got too much else going on himself with Vegas Insider, uh, the Daily Insider on Vegas Insider and all the handicapping. 
Uh, Happy New Year, my friend. Good to be back with you. Even if I get you in small sample sizes, in small individual portions, like a like a, to- a frozen TV dinner or whatever it is, I'll take whatever I can get. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. And uh, oh, so much going on. I mean, it's yes. you. You tell. Where do we start? You, you start. I, off. I don't know if you're going to be the new head coach of the Dolphins. I'll ask you about that in a moment. Uh, first, though, Monday night's championship game. Brian Edwards on with me last week. He and I both on the wrong side on Alabama. Although, ifs and buts, Alabama had opportunity after opportunity to stretch the lead. They had the lead in the fourth quarter. Georgia was just better in the fourth quarter. That's me saying that. What did you see out of the Bulldogs for their first natty, their first national title since Hello Herschel Walker, 1980? What did you see out of Georgia? Well, I did have Georgia, and I'll tell you why I had Georgia. I felt like I never like I said this to you over the years, TJ. I never liked backing. And again, both teams would have been, in a sense, eliminated after this game. So it's not like saying, like, oh, you need to win to advance or whatever. You know, it's, it's the last game for everyone. I never like taking desperate teams, okay? I never like doing that. But in a sense, Georgia was more desperate than Alabama because Alabama loses, life goes on. Seriously, for saving, he's got enough titles. He's got Aflac. He's, he's fine. He's got, he's got enough things going on. But I just felt with Kirby Smart that he was, what, 0-4 against Saban. They blew the national championship a few years ago. They blew the SEC championship a few years ago. They just got blown out in the SEC championship by Alabama. This is the last stand. I mean, this is your last really good opportunity with the transfer portal, everything going on in college football. We know Alabama's still going to be great, but I don't know how long Georgia can sustain it. So you got to seize the moment. And for a while, it didn't look like they could, but Stetson Bennett made that big throw in the fourth quarter. They had the pick six. Jamison Williams getting hurt, obviously hurt Alabama. And look, you're down two top receivers. Yeah, that hurts. But uh, look, Georgia's still excellent. Alabama's excellent. They could play a bunch of other times. You can go either way. I just thought Georgia them being favored again told you a lot and that Georgia this was their time like if they lost this game Kirby would still be the coach but I don't know how much how high in regard they would hold him as opposed to what they are doing now with him winning a title that fourth quarter meant everything for uh, for that whole point about Kirby smart because again uh we can't we can't let this get away for all the injuries on both sides of the ball Alabama had the lead and was going for two for a three-point lead and and couldn't get it. And then Georgia outplayed them down the stretch and good on Stetson Bennett, a former walk on to finally uh, put away all the demons, all the doubters, all the naysayers and play huge in the fourth quarter of the national championship game. It took till the last quarter of the national title game for him to silence a lot of them, but he did. What did you think about the fumble? I feel like I ask everybody this. I thought that was an incomplete pass. I've seen less than that be called an incomplete pass. Two things that just came to mind. One, the ruling on the field is the way they're supposed to mechanically officiate it. They called it fumble. So now it's got to be conclusive that the hand's going forward, the ball's going forward. It seems like we talk about this endlessly with the NFL replays and reviews as well, the old tuck rule. I, I just agreed, and again, I had picked Alabama, but I didn't have a rooting interest. I thought the ball was coming out, going upward in the air out of his hand, so I didn't see any way to overturn that, that it is a pass going forward. Um, and again, it's a it's a play there where he can't make that play. He's got to – he's killed them in the past. It's obvious he can't just eat it for a sack, throw it away a half second earlier or eat it for a sack and punt the football because it gave them a great opportunity. But he redeemed himself. In the end, it only becomes a footnote 
uh, and they got the pick six for the uh, the clinching points to help cover uh, as well. And again, Alabama, uh, just an amazing legacy that Nick Saban has where every year they're favored, every year they're in contention, if not uh, playing in the title game. And I wouldn't expect anything less next year. They'll reload with new guys and probably be right there. But Georgia gets the title for this year. Okay, Kevin Rogers, you're based in South Florida with Vegas Insider. It's easy to say now, a couple days later, how surprised are you that the Dolphins wasted no time and whacked Brian Flores after winning nine games this year, uh, 10 games a year ago? Did that shock you? Did it surprise you even a little? It surprised me, but it didn't upset me. I guess I'll put it to you that way, that a lot of people I read on social media, because that's the, you know, that's the top level of everything is social media, whatever people, <laughs> you know, post on there. But I just think that, look, I did Dolphins pregame this year for 20 games. All right. I know you're involved with the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. You're around them all the time. Am, I'm, am I around the Dolphins as much as around the Bucks? No, I don't know all the rumors. I don't know everything going on behind the scenes, but this I do know from the surface, they were one in seven. All right. They won seven straight games. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Jets twice. They beat the Giants. They beat the Texans. They beat Baltimore on Thursday night, and they shut down Lamar Jackson. That was a really good win. But they beat New Orleans with Ian Book making his first start, a terrible spot for the Saints. They had a bunch of guys out with COVID. Then when they had to win their final two games of the season, they played Tennessee and New England. Tennessee's the one seed. They got blown out by Tennessee. They beat New England. Fine. They swept New England. First time since 2000. Fine. But it just felt like there was dissension there. And if the dissension was not really in the locker room, it was with the, it was with the owner, Stephen Ross. And if you can't get along with the boss, wow. you're going to be out. And the problem is they got off to such slow starts each of the first three years. I mean, the first year was like a throwaway because the team was terrible. Last year, they were more competitive. This year, they were more competitive. But, even, but what killed them, TJ, the Jacksonville loss in London, absolute killer loss. And Atlanta at home and also at Las Vegas early in the season when Jacoby Brissett was in for 2-1-2 had the rib injury. They were up early in that game, and they blew it. Brissett did lead them down. They tied it, went to overtime, and lost. But they had their opportunities if they want to be in the playoffs. Are they as good as some of these teams in the AFC playoffs? No, they're not. But they need to make a change. I don't know who Stephen Ross is looking at. It's not Jim Harbaugh, but I don't know who he's looking at. I don't have a problem anymore with if you don't see it working, pull the plug. You don't have to wait five years and see, well, let's give him time, give him time. I saw the same thing at Florida State, different situation as far as college versus the NFL. Willie Taggart, year and a half, not working later. We got to go another direction. I think the same thing here. And there was more there where I think Stephen Ross saw dissension with Flores in the front office, things there. I think the players really liked him, but – on your point, reportedly, yeah. he and Chris Greer were not getting along at all, even as much as a year ago. And that's, again, yeah. recipe for disaster. Here's a larger point, and then we'll get to underdogs and predictions on the wild card weekend for the games that are on the field. Isn't this the latest example that Bill Belichick's assistants go somewhere else? And for the most part, within two seasons, it's obvious they're not head coaches. They don't have the personality, the makeup the trust factor, the whatever. And within two seasons, Josh McDaniels, uh, Eric Mangini, Bill O'Brien's like the one exception that he lasted longer in Houston and won some division titles. A couple of them won a couple of playoff games. He's like the only one because the recent guys, Joe Judge in New York, Brian Flores here, 
as you, to your point and what you said, it became obvious after like the second year for Judge, or in this case, at the end of the third year for Flores, disaster, disaster behind the scenes. What does that say about the Belichick assistance here? What does that say about the, the culture in New England that they can't go somewhere else and flourish? Well, one other guy I forgot too is Matt Patricia with the Lions, yeah. another guy that just, I don't know if it's there. I feel like I've heard this before. You're trying to be like Belichick. And it's not going to work. There's one Bill Belichick, you know, right. and all these guys, they're around the same age, late thirties, early forties. They're trying to make their mark. And again, I, I understand that it's, you still need talent to win. Like Joe judge in New York, for instance, I feel like the fans fired him before the brass <laughs> fired him because they're like, this guy's terrible, all this other thing. And then the giants are like, well, we're going to stick by him. And then, well, the fans are kind of turning on us. So let's get rid of him. You can't win with what you have out there, quarterback. You're going with Mike Glennon, who you saw in Tampa, and Jake Fromm. Like, you're not – nobody's winning with that team. So you can't say, well, you know, Judge is a bad coach. You need the talent to work with. But it's hard because you don't want the Rex Ryan clown show or Dan Campbell. Like, you don't need all of that. You need, right. you just need a balance. You know, it's probably got the best balance of anybody's like Mike Tomlin, where – He's quiet enough, but he could say what he needs to say at times, but he has to come off as a jerk, you know? So that's kind of where you need to find that balance. And unfortunately, all these guys don't have it. And that's why they're all kind of the same. Let's give, personality let's, trait. let's give the example of Andy Reid. It's again, we talk with Kevin Rogers, Vegas insider, gracious to hang with me on three dog Thursday here. And again, coming up in a little bit, Charles Davis, who is working that Buffalo new England playoff game for CBS. You'll hear from him on the inside of that game. Uh, but look at the Andy Reid example, all right? His disciples, Doug Peterson, able to make it fit and work in Philadelphia, and they eventually win a Super Bowl. Matt Nagy, you can say what you want about him getting fired now eventually this year, but he coached for four or five years and made the playoffs a couple of times. Frank Reich has been good in Indianapolis. They made the playoffs a couple of times, including last year. They were in the playoff hunt. This year, his players seem to love him. It's a different deal with the Andy Reid tree and disciples. And maybe it's, I, I think it's fair to ask distrust. The players maybe distrust a coach that's out of that Belichick system. Is he really leveling with me? Does he really want to cut me or trade me or get rid of me? If he can get rid of me, there's, there's almost a, a culture of fear and distrust. And if things start to go bad, but the wild thing, Kevin, speak to this again, it had gone very bad in Miami. And then they turned around the season, granted, maybe against bad competition. That doesn't scream distrust. That screams playing hard for the coach. So that's hard to figure out with Flores in Miami. One more time. I feel like the players, there was a lot of players that really liked him. It, it's hard because I was having this conversation earlier today that Nobody likes doing media. Like, none of these coaches like doing it, I'm sure. You know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I'm sure they got tired of the same stuff over and over again. And Flores kind of came off as, you know, I don't want to talk what's, you know, we got to keep doing this better. You know, Tua's our guy. Like, there, it's just very short. I don't think they like doing it, but I guess you see that you're still the face of the franchise and people want to hear, like, give us something. Here's the other thing too, TJ, that, that I wonder. If you had Herbert, instead of Tua, if you went mm -hmm. that direction. And again, I don't know if Chris Greer, I, they had to agree on this. I do not believe for a second there was dissension and Chris Greer said, we want Tua and Flores wanted Herbert. And like, this is the guy you forced me. Like, I feel like Tua was their guy. And now in retrospect, you look at it and say, wow, like Herbert, what he's doing with the Chargers, he's great. And Tua has still got work to do. So that's the other one too, is that 
I feel like the Watson thing was mishandled because it seemed like Flores wanted Watson when they around the trade deadline. He didn't really back Tua. I feel like that was the other thing. And and Ross probably Tua's our guy. If you're not with it, then you got to leave. That's the other wow. part too that I think is is missing from this. I don't know what for certain. But I think that's the other thing. You said it earlier in the conversation. You got to get along with the owner. You got to get along with your boss, or you're going to be yep. done anyway. Um, and again, that the whole don't get along with the media thing, that's Bill Belichick. That's out of the Belichick culture. I mean, you look no further at Tom Brady's personality in Tampa Bay and the stuff he says and the stuff that's on social media and the podcast he does. It's entertaining every which direction. And none of that, none of that was going on in New England because of the culture there. And by the way, Jerry Jones has got no trouble being the, the owner, the man of the media there. Sean McVay has no trouble playing with the media and the media card and, and being the darling and Hollywood and all of that out in L.A. Some have it figured out. Bruce Arians is very good with the media here dealing with us in the Tampa Bay area, national media, et cetera. Some get it, but out of that New England culture, not so much. All right, on to the games, on to the wild card weekend. There are six of them, three AFC, three NFC. For the first time ever, there is a Monday night wild card weekend playoff game. If I were to say to you, full buffet in front of you, give me a playoff underdog, which one you like and why. Give me one, Kevin Rogers. I'm going to go with the Monday nighter, and here's why. Arizona was horrible at the end of the year at home. Five straight losses. I think them going on the road to L.A., I think that's the best thing for them. They've already won at L.A. They dominated the Rams at SoFi Stadium. And the second meeting on that Monday night, back and forth the first half, Stafford had a big touchdown pass uh, in the third quarter, and the Rams eventually opened it up. L.A. is extremely talented. Like, there's no disputing that. But you got to trust Matthew Stafford to win you a playoff game, which he's never done before. And the Cardinals, they've had injuries and all that. But Arizona had one road loss at Detroit, inexcusable, Mm -hmm. two-touchdown favorite. There's nothing more about, like, they were bad in that game. But one loss on the road this year. You know what, TJ, I'm gonna, this is going to go back to you from a local standpoint. Tampa Bay winning the Super Bowl at Raymond James Stadium. Again, it's coincidence that the game was there, whatever. Now the Rams have the Super Bowl at SoFi this year, or the Super Bowl is there in L.A. Don't tell me there's no pressure on you to be in that Super Bowl in your sure. home stadium that the pressure's on them and you've got Odell Beckham and you've got Von Miller. And now you got Eric Weddle that you've totally loaded this thing up. You're, you're putting all the chips in the middle of the table. I just feel like the pressure is going to get to them. I really do. And the Cardinals, Kyler makes some big plays. I know Kingsbury does have a great track record against McVay, but I just think that the Cardinals have a shot here. They're a great road team. They won at Dallas a few weeks ago, really good performance there. I, I think that the pressure is really on the Rams on Monday night. All right, so he's going all the way to the Monday night game with Arizona, which, again, uh, they could have been hosting this game, but they fell apart, especially defensively, against Seattle last week at home and got uh, beat in the final regular season game, the uh, Week 18 game with Seattle. So now they have to go on the road, as you mentioned. I'm going to stick with the NFC West theme here for Three Dog Thursday, and I think that San Francisco team is playing with Mojo. What a great comeback. Uh, down 17 nothing, down 7 late. Jimmy Garoppolo on the road leads them back, not once but twice to get the game tied. They win it in overtime. Everybody's going to hype the Dallas Cowboys. We get it. It's going to be the w- most watched game. Forget the primetime games, Buffalo, New England, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, or the Monday night primetime game. This Cowboy 49er game, it's always because the Cowboys will have the most watched 
uh, fandom in this game. I like San Francisco's ability to run the ball. I, I know Dallas was explosive uh, throughout the year with Dak Prescott throwing it, but I, I think San Francisco's defense is pretty good, and I like them in the spot as the road doggy. We're both going NFC West road doggies, unless you want to back me off of 49ers here in the matchup with the Cowboys. Such a tough game. I mean, so the only thing that's missing is uh, Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice in this one. Yes. Uh, what do you think about the early 90s? But it's – um. Look, with San Francisco, my concern is did they use up everything last week against the Rams to just get into the playoffs? That's my concern. Or are they going to use that as a springboard against Dallas? And the Cowboys, for as talented as they are offensively, you know, all the talent they have on both sides of the ball, you know, down the stretch, they didn't really beat a lot of great teams. You know, they, they cleaned up against the NFC East. And, and I know Philly's a playoff team and, and, and Hurts didn't play last Saturday night, but Dallas got a ton of pressure on them. San Francisco was in the Super Bowl two years ago. They were leading the Kansas City Chiefs in the fourth quarter before Mahomes made some big plays. By there. 10, by 10 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the Niners had a lot of chances there. And last year, they had a ton of injuries. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo's a pretty good quarterback because you know what? Last year, you see how bad they were when Garoppolo was hurt. And I know Kittle was hurt too. They had a lot of injuries, but. Garoppolo, he's the guy. Trey Lance maybe isn't ready for it yet. You never know if Trey Lance can get a, a one or two opportunities in the game. But Garoppolo's the guy. It's such a tough game, TJ. So so tough. Just I, you can make. I mean, I hate you can make argument for any side of any game, but in this one, I think that's definitely the case. Well, especially the Dallas defense at home, but they have faltered in this spot before. Remember, they had such a great season. Dak Prescott had led them to such a great season, and then they had the off week, and then Green Bay came in and beat them in the divisional round in this very kind of spot as a home playoff team. And you can even go back to Tony Romo blowing uh, a couple of different situations where they were the highest seed or the second seed and still lost in this home game. So I don't believe in the mystique of AT&T Stadium as much as maybe some do. If I'm going with one underdog that stands out, to me, it's San Francisco in this spot with Dallas on Sunday. We'll see. We'll find out. I know this. This man has been gracious with his time uh, here with me. Kevin, plug away on everything Vegas Insider, your daily show, the podcasts, et cetera, that you have, uh, all for the wild card weekend on the football. Go for it. All right. First, uh, we'll start with the podcast, I guess. Bet and Collect podcast. You can find it on Spotify and uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Play, Google Play, and, and we'll have a uh, New episode Friday, breaking down the wild card games. Also, the Daily Insider every Monday through Friday on our YouTube channel, of Vegas Insider at noon Eastern. You can find it there. Pretty much 30, 35-minute show, so it's not like something you know, crazy long. And on Vegas Insider, you can find my picks there as well. So uh, we're busy. I mean, college football's done. We've got college basketball, the NBA, the NFL. Wow. It's a lot. It's a lot. I know people say, oh, look at what you're doing for a living. But it's it's definitely – I would not trade this for anything, but it's definitely a lot. Yeah, there is a ton to keep up with for sure, especially when we've had college bowl games and now we've got college basketball in full swing and all of it. But the NFL is king, and these games are going to be something else to watch. Kevin will be all over every one of them handicapping. The one doggy that when I pinned him to it that he likes is Arizona. But he'll have the sides, the plays, all of that. The Vegas Insider, Daily Insider on the YouTube channel. Must watch, must listen through the week. Bet and collect podcast. Love this man for always hopping on Three Dog Thursday through the years and right here to give me insight and analysis. 
Be well, and we will see what happens this weekend in the wild card weekend. Thank you, my friend. All right, TJ, thank you. And good luck against the Eagles. Love the insight of Kevin Rogers. And again, Brian Edwards also with me from Vegas Insider and also MajorWager.com. I love those guys throughout the football season. Brian will probably be back here coming up during the NFL. They do great work. Still to come, Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS. He's working Buffalo and New England. Let's get some thoughts on that. Anthony Becht will be here talking Buccaneers and Eagles as well as Cowboys and 49ers with some insight having worked both the Cowboy-Eagles game and the Buck-Panther game last weekend on radio. Sean Green also here from the Sports Gambling Podcast's Die Hard Eagles podcast on the network of shows. All of that coming up if you hang around. But first, we're brought to you in part by WinBet. If you're ready to win money and boost your odds, WinBet is here for you, and it's now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. They're bringing you the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play, exclusive rewards, Everything right at your fingertips. Get all of the best plays for the college football wrapping up. The NFL, obviously, down the home stretch of the regular season and the playoffs coming up. They've got the NBA, the NHL, anything that you want with WinBet. And WinBet now has some brand new bonuses. Bet $5 to win $400 in the free bets contest that they have. That includes getting a VIP trip to Shaquille O'Neal's Fun House in Los Angeles. That's right. You bet $20 on WinBet's Build Your Own Bet feature, and you earn a chance to win a -a once-in-a-lifetime VIP experience for the big game. You and three guests get to go to Shaq's Funhouse two nights at Win Las Vegas, a $5,000 free bet at Win Las Vegas Sportsbook, and a $5,000 travel credit, all as part of this contest. They have great promos like this going on. And all you got to do is go to WinBet and their app, sign up and be able to do it. The odds, the payouts, it's all happening at WinBet. Boosted parlays, live in-game odds, every major sport, everything you need. Plus, if you sign up today, you'll get a risk-free $1,000 sports bet with WinBet. Go to WinBet.com, download the WinBet app, and again, take care of business. It's all happening with WinBet and the VIP trip to Shaq's Funhouse in L.A. for the big game is available. Find out more at WinBet.com and the WinBet app. Brought to you in part by SoBet. Since when is sports betting supposed to be so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social. When I picture betting, I picture bootleggers with mustaches tossing bets around at a speakeasy. SoBet is taking the social lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it by providing a modern platform. SoBet is changing the game with their new product. Head over to SoBet.io and create an account and find out for yourself. Fully functioning, free web application. You can access a demo of their app that will launch next fall. That app includes consensus lines from Las Vegas, a feed of what other people are betting on, and the ability to send friendly wagers to anyone you know via a text, a QR code, or links, among other methods. No money is transacted on the app, and it's purely competitive. Next time that you're going to be out with your friends watching sports, turn it up a notch. Go to SoBet.io and see who can hit the most ridiculous bets. Users have the ability to place bets off the Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing the metric if they want, as long as somebody's on the other side to accept it. Let's go back to the roots of betting with SoBet. Go to SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io and join the revolution. 
And we're brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. If you're not using PropSwap, you're just missing out. PropSwap is America's number one app to buy and sell those sports bets, and you can find the best odds in the country because you're buying directly from other bettors. Use our promo code SGP, and your first deposit from PropSwap will be doubled up to $500. Double the cash means double the odds. And if you love sports betting, you need to be using PropSwap. Sellers across the country list their bets for sale and thousands of buyers visit PropSwap every day to find the best odds on futures, props, and parlays. And the NFL playoffs are here and prop swappers are cashing in like Steve from Tennessee who last week sold his $250 100-to-1 Patriots Super Bowl ticket for $2,500 on PropSwap. That means Steve locked in his profit when he turned his $250 bet into $2,500. The buyer got great odds, and the seller made 10 times his bet. The average prop swapper makes $500 a month just buying and selling sports bets through PropSwap. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or just download the app in the Google Play or the Apple Store. PropSwap, it's where America buys and sells sports bets. And we're brought to you in part by Better Fantasy. The fantasy season might be over, but the action is still coming on Better Fantasy's app. Download their free-to-play app today and bet on player props for the NFL playoffs. You can also enter their player prop pools and score big when you win. We love Better Fantasy because we can win awesome prizes and even raise some money for charity along the way, too. It's totally free to play. You'll earn better credits by competing in challenges and using them to place your bets. Better Fantasy is available worldwide and in all 50 states. Download the app today at betterfantasy.com SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, betterfantasy.com slash S-G-P-N. And a reminder, the S-G-P-N app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the S-G-P-N family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. I do not say this lightly whenever I get the chance to talk to this man. I love it. I cannot believe I've gotten the, the whole football season and have not said hello to the Charles Davis of the NFL coverage on CBS, uh, who never, never, I mean not once, has ever failed to answer the bat signal whenever I put the text message out, the call in, to come on and do some stuff with me. He is back aboard. Uh, thank you, first of all, because I know you're busy. It's a shorter week. But you're working with Ian Eagle on the uh, the Bills and the Patriots. So thank you once again. A double thank you for hopping on, but even hopping on on a short week for the playoffs. The playoffs are here. Yeah, yeah. well, it's nice of you to say, listen, it works both ways. You're working as well. I'm working. You know, you've been phenomenal to me at every turn throughout my my time frame trying to make it in this business. And uh you know, I'm fortunate that you would ask me. So here we are. Let's have some fun. And what's really cool is both of us are getting ready for playoff games, right? <laughs> I mean, you're getting ready to try and defend a ring and get a second one. And here I am getting ready to go into the ring in Buffalo. 
Uh, let's talk oh, about we, that. Here we, it might. What, what, it, what's, the old, what's the old vaudeville thing, TJ? <laughs> here we go, heads low. No, off we go, heads low, shuffling off to Buffalo. To Buffalo, yeah, shuffle off to Buffalo go. is right. I was going to make mention of the fact it's only going to be about 50, 55 degrees warmer in Tampa Sunday, 1 o'clock. It will be apparently Buffalo on I think it's going to be warmer Sunday. than that, TJ. We're, we're, trending towards, we're trending towards definitely single digits, <laughs> and we haven't hit wind chill yet. Like well, they last, haven't last had six degrees at kickoff. They haven't had a home playoff game in Buffalo since the early 1990s, so you might as well make it a memorable. Well, they had one. it last year, but not the full, one. but not the full crowd. See, we were right. there last year, and Indianapolis came to town in a great game. But that was, you know, when they were starting to work through the COVID protocols and all that. I think they let between five and seven thousand come to the game. And it actually made a difference, as you discovered during the year at different times, because I think you and I saw each other for that Tampa-Los Angeles Chargers game. Mm -hmm. And Tampa did kind of a soft opening. Mm -hmm. And what was there, like 8,000 there? Probably and, not even. But, but based on what we had seen the first few weeks of the season, that was phenomenal. I was like, <laughs> oh, there are people here. Now we have full crowds, the whole thing. Buffalo is going to be wired. I mean, this is like, if you're a college football fan, this is the best way I can equate it. LSU Tiger Stadium Saturday night all day long. Those LSU fans getting themselves ready to root for the Tigers. Go Tigers. Bills fan, go Tigers. These Bills fans, the Bills Mafia, uh, all day long getting their antifreeze in them so they're ready to go come 8:15 Eastern time kickoff PM. Yeah, it's going to be wild. That is well said uh on that. Um, okay, so just one more before we get into the X's and O's yeah. of the games. You absolutely deserve this, but how cool Saturday night prime time game, you and I and Eagle and your whole crew getting to work this on CBS. Uh, that, that is a neat thing to be part of. Beyond cool. You know, there's so many times you go into that self-deprecating mode. There's so many times that you go into the how did I get here type of a thing. All that goes through it. And there's an element of it. There's also an element of, man, you know, and you've done the same thing. We've worked really hard to try and get ourselves into this position. We're fortunate that we are in this position. Let's go take advantage of it and have some fun, too. Plus, I'm riding with Ian Eagle. I'm riding with Evan Washburn. As my father told me when I joined this team last year, he said, oh, man, you're joining Ian Eagle's team? That's a really good team. So if it's not as good this year, we know whose fault it is. <laughs> my own father said that to me. And he reiterates it to this day. Like, hey, man, anything goes haywire. It's one finger to point is towards you. So mm. I'm going to do my best not to mess up the, the good mojo that I and Evan have established. And so take us just one more step that you find out the playoff matchup and the assignment. Did you find it out as early as Sunday night or was it Monday morning? And then it's immediately, as I like to say, head first off the high dive in the deep end on everything Buffalo, New England, right? Yeah, I found out Sunday night. I actually, you know, we were watching. I was on a flight home from Baltimore, from Pittsburgh at Baltimore and watching the Chargers and Raiders, of course, because, you know, that's what we do, right? We're going to watch ball, and it decided the final playoff spot. So watching the game, the whole deal, and I remember in the first half, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth flashed it up, and it was everything was TBD except for NBC knew they had this game, this game. Of course, ESPN had the Monday night game, and I think those had been assigned at that point, but the rest of them were still TBD. 
and we'll let you know as we go along. And then in the second half, they flashed it up. All right, we got a complete TV schedule. And it's before the final game was done because it was just a matter of slotting. Okay, where will Las Vegas go? Where would Los Angeles Chargers go? That sort of a deal. But the networks have been assigned. And I looked up and saw two because CBS has two games. And I saw San Francisco at Dallas. And I saw New England at Buffalo. And I knew immediately we were going to, we were going to Buffalo. Because San Francisco-Dallas, that's a crossover game that should be on the other network based on contract and all mm-hmm. that. There's less and less of that, as you've noticed, TJ. A lot less of, you know, a lot less of AFC gets CBS, NFC gets this. I think it will revert to that as we get into divisional round. But right now, they're just trying to put it around, put it out there, assign the games. And I just figured that Jim and Tony would do San Francisco-Dallas, that old rivalry that us old folks remember in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Go. And I said, okay, so we're going to go to Buffalo. And then my next thought was, how cold will it be since it's an 815 kickoff? And I'm getting my answer already. <laughs> yes. There are a few guarantees in life. That would be death, taxes, <laughs> Charles Davis from 15 feet anywhere on the floor, foul line extended, <laughs> whatever. And Romo is getting the Cowboy playoff game if there's an opportunity on CBS. That was a guarantee. But Charles will take this AFC East matchup, and that's a perfect segue. Yeah, we're third meeting, third yes. meeting uh, that that shows here that the, these two teams split and each one on the other's field. What yeah. do you make of a third meeting division rivals here? I don't know that anybody really has an advantage for the reason I just laid out that each one in the other uh, team's place. What do you think? I would agree with you in terms of that, because having both won on the other team's field, the first game was such an anomaly, you know, with the what it was a 50 mile per hour winds and, and new England saying, okay, we can't beat mother nature, but we can work with her. And what they decided to do was they loaded up. And, and I think I forgot who officiated that night, but I'm sure that that official still wakes up saying to himself, number 71 for new England has reported in as eligible. Number 71 <laughs> has reported in as eligible. Michael Owenu, the offensive lineman from Michigan, I think he took 26, 27 snaps as the extra offensive lineman in their power running formation. They ran it for what, 46 times at night, 222 yards. They held time of possession. But you look back at all of it, Buffalo was still in the game. Buffalo, where they lost that ball game, was in the red zone. They're one of four in the red zone. And when we say one of four, that means a touchdown scored in the red zone. Okay. So that was the killer for them in that game. New England was like two for 12 on third down, so they didn't dominate in that area. They just controlled the football. And when they scored their first touchdown, they said, ah, we've been, we, we tested the wind in pregame, go for two, and got it, and quickly forged an advantage in that game. Now flip it around, because our crew did the second game in Foxborough, and Buffalo had been seething. TJ, you can tell everyone from your vast experience – Teams that get the ball stuffed down their throat in the running game, that's an extra that, – that's, there are extra recriminations that come out of that. You, you have a hard time looking in the mirror. You, you're getting your character tested. Your coaches are definitely, che- definitely testing you with all that because mentally getting the ball stuffed down your throat is way worse than people throwing it over your head. Because mentally, it doesn't break you to say, this feels like you've been controlled. 
And that's how they felt in that game, Buffalo. And they were just seething about the whole thing. Remember the post-game press conference, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, when they went off on the reporter who was there? Yep. Because their pride had been damaged in that in a big way in that game. So Sean McDermott played to that. He wanted aggressiveness at the line of scrimmage. He wanted to set a fast tempo and jump out to a lead and make New England chase. And they got it all accomplished. It was a whole different ball game in that one. They want to do the exact same thing because right now, Mac Jones, that rookie quarterback for New England, has had such a terrific year. They've lost three of the last four, and all of them, TJ, they've had to play from behind except for the one they won against Jacksonville. They want to make that youngster prove he can bring a team back as opposed to playing even and not having to throw the ball, three, three throws in the first game. That's to me, is where the game's going to break down. I kept joking. Belichick was trying to win that first Monday night game with one pass attempt. He won that he gave, footnote. Gave it, for they ended all up throwing time. three. And he's still mad <laughs> and about that. was like other. two more than he wanted to throw <laughs> in that game. And you mentioned Mac Jones, just something to salt away here, starting with that Buffalo loss. He's thrown an interception, at least one or a couple, in each of the three losses. And that could be critical. Uh, with the turnover factor in this game and what could be a tight, low-scoring game. Just another minute or two, because I promised yeah. I would get Charles out of here because he's got more prep to do. Oh, Josh yeah, one, one, Allen. Quick, one, one yeah. quick thing, TJ. The wind in that game, as we mentioned, in Buffalo, the first game was like 50 miles per hour, whatever that number was. For everyone who was there, it felt like 100 miles per hour. The prediction, I talked to a friend in Buffalo today who said, doesn't expect it to be over 10 miles per hour. That's almost not noticeable compared to what they're used to getting there. He thinks it'll be a fairly clear evening, just very cold, maybe a dusting of snow, but nothing mm. he thinks precipitation that will have an effect on the ball game. How will you handle the cold? That's what it comes down to. This man does it all, including providing meteorological information <laughs> here to me on Buffalo and New England. Josh Allen can make all of the throws. Uh, they've won a couple of playoff games, obviously. The next progression is put the team on my back. We're not losing. I don't know that it's going to be this game, but that's the next step, right? We're a game where they have to have it, and he's huge, plays with his arm, plays with his feet, signature playoff, great performance. We're looking for that at some point for him, right? Yeah, and and, and he's given us glimpses of it, as, you, as you've noted. But it's definitely will, will, will you know in the playoffs is there the signature game because we've come a long way from that first playoff game in Houston. Remember that one where at the end of the game he looked a little befuddled, he looked a little out of sorts, and he told us last year that hey, I made a promise to our organization. I'm not going to share the words. I'm not going to share exactly what was said. But I made a promise to our organization, and to me. I don't know exactly what he said, but he's kept that promise. So if we're talking about putting a team on their back, plug in that second New England game. He totally did. Threw for 314. Ran for 64, I believe, in that ball game. He led them in rushing. He led them in passing. He rallied them throughout. They were big on third down. They were three of four on fourth down. They went for it on the first drive of the game on fourth and two when Io Pine kicked the field goal. You've established yourselves. Like Nuke Lelouch. You announced your presence with authority. Kick the field goal. <laughs> take the points. And they're like, nah, 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 nah. We got to really hammer it home. And he does the great job, extends the play, throws a touchdown pass on fourth and two, and they were off and running. He definitely put them there in that ball game. He is more than capable. This kid's got it all. And his last two games have been eh, a little bit spotty. Atlanta especially, three interceptions. The Jets took a while to get going. Wasn't exactly sharpened on his game. He wants this one bad. 
This man even just worked a Bull Durham reference in. <laughs> this this SOB is throwing a two-hitter, and he's shaking me off. Shaking me off. Here comes the deuce, and when you speak of me, speak well. And then speak he hits well. I love it. Oh, that was great. Uh, Boy. And another great, and a, and another great line a, or two. have a flight oh, yeah. attendant on it. <laughs> Yes. And another great line from that winning sure beats losing. I've always quoted that from that movie <laughs> as well. It absolutely does. Uh, this man uh, beats it all right here. I mean, I love the insight of Charles Davis anytime I can get it. Again, he and Ian Eagle and Evan Washburn on the call Saturday night, primetime CBS standalone New England Patriots at Buffalo Bills game. I love it. I love getting to talk with you. Have a great call Saturday. I'll think warm thoughts. I think warm thoughts for you Saturday while we're considerably better. Think for for Evan as well. He's your counterpart. (laughs) You guys know what it's like with life in the sidelines. So every time we talk about being cold, Evan just rolls his eyes. Yes, exactly. As you stand in the heated booth (laughs) sipping on hot coffee and hot chocolate, the two words for Evan are foot warmers. And I may be there before it's over if there's a Lambeau field in the future, et cetera. Maybe, but you got to win the first one with Philadelphia in the sunshine and the warm weather, hopefully on Sunday for the Bucks. Charles Davis, thank you. I always love your insight. We'll be looking forward to the call on New England, Buffalo, Patriots, and Bills on CBS. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, TJ. Eugene, Dave, have a great call this Sunday against the Eagles. Nice rematch game from a Thursday nighter during the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. The playoffs are here. Yes. As mentioned, he was my wingman on the fill-in call of the Buccaneers' win over the Carolina Panthers. We both came off the bench, Anthony Beck, to fill in for Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore on Buccaneers Radio last week. Are we taking, like, 1% credit? I mean, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, the Buccaneer defense, they probably deserve 99%, maybe 98 and we'll take, like, 2% for that. How are you? Good to be back with you, and that was a blast to do with you. I, again, publicly say you made it a lot easier and a lot of fun to be on Buccaneers Radio last week in a fill-in role. Yeah, first, it was it was fun to do. Clearly working with you, uh, you know, I think people – so, like, when people listen to Gene and Dave or anybody – they just take it for granted. The broadcast is good, all this stuff. But when you get a call like we did the day before the game and to go out there and make it roll, uh, you know, it, listen, I'm going to I'm going to put tap my back and you should, too. I mean, it's, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And it, listen, it, when you step in and do those things, they, they clearly call us for a reason. So I was glad to help out. Uh, it was a great broadcast. I thought it was fun. And of course, we have a percentage into the into that whole victory. Heck, I mean, you know, it, it's it's all about everything worked out for them. They won the game. The Rams lost the game. So, you know, we can say it's probably more like five or six percent on our on Maybe. our show. And they got right? they got incentives. They got incentives. Gronk got incentives. You were all over that. We're all over the uh, inside the NFL NFL film segment where Gronk got his money, and you and I are calling it and talking about it. And and I again relate to the audience. You had your hand in the air. Like like fist pumping. There's Gronk's money, cha-ching, as I said on the call uh, with that. So we maybe they'll give us like one percent of that or two yeah, percent. And I I again say uh, more than one person said, man, you guys sound like that you've been doing this for a long time. And I said, well, first of all, Beck has been doing analyst work for ESPN College Football and nationally. You had done the Cowboys and the Eagles the night before on Westwood One. He's been doing it for a lot of years. I've been doing play by play for a lot of years. There is a little bit of a craft to this. And oh, by the way, we 
like each other. Beck and I like each other. So that tends to help out, too. And I hope that came through to the audience. And one more time, they gave us a great game to call. Let's morph it into Tom Brady. My Lord, finishing off an incredible season at 44 years old. He gave us a great game to call in the second half with all the numbers and all the points. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, BA was talking about it'd be a travesty if he wasn't the MVP. I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, you know, the guy came out with me in the 2000 draft, 44 years old. I know what my body can do and I see what his body can do. It's amazing. Um, you know, the n- most yards ever in his career happened this year. His touchdowns were over 40, which is unbelievable. Uh, he stayed upright the entire season, knock on wood. I mean, it's not easy. Even if you're, you know, anything can happen when you're moving around, running. Uh, but uh, it's just been a remarkable two years. He, he is the greatest quarterback. He's, he, you know, he's getting into the whole thing of, of just athletes in general because, um, you know, his age and everything. But uh, it, was a, it, was, it was great to watch. It's always fun to see it in person because he is a very, very good player. And, and I think, uh, you know, it's going to bode well for this team as they get some bodies back and, and they make their run for their second or potential repeat here in a Super Bowl run. We were joking with Anthony Beck to play tight end at a very high level as a former number one pick with the Jets, the Buccaneers, among others, uh, about Rob Gronkowski and about the incentives. But my goodness, in looking back on that game, he looks like Gronk of five years ago. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in this postseason, but tell me what you saw Sunday. I, I realize Carolina, not that good. They were beaten down psychologically. But really, these last two games against the Jets and against Carolina, he looks like the Gronk, vintage Gronk. Still, tell me more, please. It still boggles my mind. And this isn't a Panthers thing. This is everybody that I see. Like, why are you letting Gronkowski free release off the line of scrimmage? Like, like so, like, when you're talking about beating the Bucs, like, obviously, you, okay, we're going to try to get middle pressure. That's how you disrupt Brady. Okay, well, why not have the edge guy always slam Gronkowski? I mean, it's not like it's easy, but, it, again, it delays the everything, especially for Gronk, but you want to let him free release. Guess what? You're going to get burned because he's a hard cover. If he gets into the areas, he's very good at finding the holes of the defense. And if you're not in the right spot, he'll make you pay. And when you're in the right spot, unfortunately, that allows someone else to find a vacant hole as well because you have to occupy bodies to get on him. So he's a weapon. You're right. He is doing things. You know, I, I, I think it's back-to-back 100-yard-plus games, but he's had multiple games where he's been so valuable. But, uh, you know, if you don't, if you let him get free access up the field, man, you're just you're, – you're, you're cruising to get beat up, and he did that versus Carolina. Always love this man's insight. Anthony Becht, uh, again, fantastic job uh, across the board. Does a lot of work with the New York Jets, as he has been this year in their game broadcast and Jets radio with Bob Wischusen in company. And again, Westwood One coverage. That had you, by the way, in Philadelphia for the regular season finale. You thought you were just going to work once week 18, game 17 with Cowboys and Eagles. No, no. We got to get Anthony Becht involved a second time for week 18 with the Buccaneer fill-in job uh, with me. But you worked the Cowboys-Eagles game in Philadelphia, the finale. It did not really matter for playoff seating per se. The Cowboys had basically locked in as the three. The Eagles had basically locked in as the six. The Cowboys chose to play the starters really all the way into the fourth quarter, including Dak Prescott, including Ezekiel Elliott. The Eagles played some backups. Now the Bucs get ready to play the Eagles in this playoff game coming up. 
Give me a read on what you saw, even limited out of the starters from Philadelphia real quick first. Well, then none of them played except uh, Devontae Smith and Jason Kelsey took one snap to continue, uh, continue his consecutive start streak. I will say this, just studying their games, obviously preparing for that game. This is a, this is a tough matchup for the Bucs. And the reason why, and they, they've already played each other and, and that sorts, but you know, Jalen Hurts clearly is a, a tough cover. I mean, he's a guy that obviously with his legs is very dynamic. He led the team in rushing and uh, he's not a runner first, but he is part of that, that whole tandem of what they're trying to do now, you know, obviously miles uh, Sanders and his availability and how he's doing will, will be a big part of it as well, but they still have bodies back there that, that can make some plays, but um, you know, that extra run factor is tough for edge of the Buccaneers to defend. And, you know, what, what's the accessibility with JPP? I know Shaq Barrett obviously is now off the COVID protocol. So all these guys coming back, Levante, David, you, but we both know has to be on the football field as well, if possible. Um, and I just think that they're a much better team than they were when they played uh, the first time. Uh, and then the other flip side defensively, again, how do you shake things up versus Brady? You have to have inside pressure. You know, Fletcher Cox and Hargrave are a really good combination in the middle that can be, you know, that can cause problems. The thing about it that counters it is the, t- the Bucks offensive line is no slouch. I mean, they, they are good up front and they're not going to let you get beat one-on-one up front. So you have to find ways to, to get through, uh, you know, shake it up with some linebackers. Can, you know, is Leonard Fournette going to be back? You know, what's that running back situation going to be back? I, I feel a lot more comfortable if he's there and Bell's there from a protection standpoint, but if you got to lean on Keyshawn Vaughn to do a lot more things, then you're, you're talking about, you know, how you're going to want to do that. But Slay's a guy that can lock up versus Evans on the outside. He's, he's one of the best corners in the league. So, uh, you know, now you, it leaves you with Gronk and that other piece the Bucs have that's going to shine at the receiver position. And we don't know who that's going to be yet. Uh, when when game time comes. So I just think those two elements, Jalen Hurts, inside pressure, this team can do that. That bodes well for the Eagles in this matchup. Now, do I think the Eagles can win the game? I don't. I do believe they can keep it close and interesting, which obviously you never know. You get to the fourth quarter, things can happen. So uh, I think this is going to be a fun matchup for people to watch. If you're a Bucs fan, obviously, you may be biting your nails a little bit throughout, but I think it's a good matchup for, for the Buccaneers. There we go. Another moment or two now. Again, you saw the Cowboys, and you saw the Cowboys pretty well play full force. That's interesting what Jerry Jones, Mike McCarthy, their philosophy was. I have already said on this podcast before you came on, I really like San Francisco in this spot in Dallas. Puncher's chance, Jimmy Garoppolo. They can run the ball some. Okay, give me the counterpoint, having seen Dallas as recently as you just did. And maybe you believe they're going to get it done, if not roll against the 49ers. Give me a thought or two on the Cowboys and this matchup. I'm glad you said that because you, like a lot, or everybody's kind of on the 49ers in this matchup. I am completely the opposite. I think this is going to be one of the more lopsided games of the weekend. I really think Dallas is poised to make a big play. I, I don't see the down, I don't see the bottom out of Dak Prescott. I see him playing as good as any quarterback in the league. I think the run game has been off, but I think. With Pollard coming back, Ezekiel Elliott looked really bouncy in the in the Eagles game in general. And I just think their defense is really good. So I don't know, man. 49ers are tough. I get it. You know, they fought. They came back on the Rams. But uh, that doesn't mean that Dallas is going to sleep on these guys because they're not. So I think it's going to be blowout city. So we'll see what happens. I, I kind of I like what the Cowboys got cooking right now. I'm kind of buying into it. 
But, uh, you know, hey, you never know. It's been a minute now since they've won a playoff game, and and that'll be the biggest story. But I, I really like this offense. I like the defense. I think they got a lot of good things going their way. And the 49ers, again, they've been good this year. But we'll see what happens in this one. I'm going to flip the other side, and I think this is going to be a big victory for the Cowboys. And you can make the argument, and it's a legitimate argument, and you played for a long time. They played such an emotional overtime game just to make the playoffs and now have to go on the road immediately again against a very good, motivated Dallas team that was playing its players, not resting them, not stale. Let's see. Let's see what happens in that one. Let's see what happens, obviously, just before that with Buccaneers-Eagles. I love this man's insight. Again, publicly, great job on the call last week. Thrilled uh, thrilled to be working with Anthony Beck then. Thrilled to have him on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Also, his son Rocco Beck is going to be at Iowa State as a quarterback. And Anthony is in the process of trying to get Rocco up there as an early enrollee to Ames, Iowa. Good luck on the drive and trying to get Rocco there and get back safely. Good luck with all of that, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, TJ. Thanks for having me on. Okay, I think you know where this is headed on Three Dog Thursday. Let me welcome back in. I love this man's insight. These are my brothers with the Sports Gambling Podcast. Sean Green, Ryan Kramer do a great job. Green, a big, big, big Philadelphia Eagles guy. Here they come to play the B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S. Go Bucks! In a showdown at Raymond James Stadium on Sunday. So, Sean, back aboard. All right. I'm not, no pretense. You don't even have to uh, be nice about it. Are the Eagles gonna? Are the Eagles gonna win here? Are you? You, are you obviously believe for three dog Thursday purposes they will keep it within the eight and a half or a, or nine as we release the podcast. How are you? Let me have it go. I'm doing great. Almost as good as this Philadelphia Eagles team. I, I mean, they're you know they're a completely different team from when they played last. They they got destroyed. Uh, by the Bucks, I mean, it was 28-22. It really wasn't that close of a game, but they only had nine running back carries. Now they're a completely different team. They're going to be able to control the tempo, control the uh, the game in general. We're expecting some rain down there, which leads itself to a run-heavy, in-the-trenches kind of game, and I, I think that kind of favors the Eagles. It's going to be a competitive game. It's not going to be easy to knock Tom Brady out, but – uh, I love the energy, enthusiasm, and and just the way this team has gelled as of late to come down and get uh, take care of business. And they've been much better on the road uh, than they have been at home. Six and three on the road. So I, I like our chances. True. We're going to go down and get the dub. Oh, go down and get the dub. I understand. Against yes. Brady in Winning a home right. game. <laughs> and Brady in a home game where the Bucks have been basically invincible against everybody except the New Orleans Saints over the last couple of years. Um, all right, so there's just a couple of things as we go back and forth with this. One of those obviously is as we sit here, middle of the week after 18 weeks of play, I'm holding it up for Sean. Somebody may see it on video. This is the number of teams that the Eagles beat with a winning record all year long. That would be zero. zero. So that that's not good if you're Philadelphia. That includes the stretch run of the six and two or the six and three and whatever. None of those came against teams with winning records down the stretch. And my friend, it's not going to help you to have fired Joe Judge and the Giants. They're not going to be in front of you. It's not going to be Ron Rivera and the Washington football team in front of you. That's not going to help you there for the Eagles. Isn't the biggest key here, if the Buccaneers can slow down and contain Jalen Hurts from being able to do the read option, get around the end, and, and freeze the outside guys with the read option to set up running through the middle, if the Bucs can contain him, it's big trouble for the Eagles. Is the game that simple this Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think – 
yeah, I, I think if they can completely contain Jalen Hurts, then yeah, I would I would love the Bucks' chances. What I would counter to that is the Eagles' tackles. They're healthy. They're one hundred percent. You got Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata, two guys playing at uh, Pro Bowl levels, and I think that's kind of where you know, we get our edge. I know you guys have a very good defensive line, but I like our chances. And there's a reason the Eagles have the number one uh, rush offense in the league. And that's because of their offensive line. Like that's the strength of their team. So if they go down there and they get pushed around, then I, I think their chances of them winning are very slim, but I'm, I'm projecting that they're going to go down and, and be the ones doing the pushing. And yeah, I know it's, you know, the, the record against, uh, playoff teams is 0 and 6. It'll be uh, 1 and 6 after uh, this Sunday. The difference is what well, you know, they were a completely different team when they were losing to the Chiefs, uh, to the Bucks, to some of these teams early on in the season. Like it, it's it's night and day, the team. So, all right. Uh, the Eagles and their fans are telling themselves that. We do know this. The Bucks have owned the recent series, uh, including Fitzmagic lighting up the Eagles, as I recall, in the home opener 2018. Jameis Winston yeah. lit him up under Chip Kelly for five touchdown passes. We'll see if the Tom Brady mojo continues there. I should mention that I will be on Sean's Die Hard Eagles podcast, which is part of the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows. If you're an Eagles fan, you love this podcast. You love Sean and all the uh, co-hosts and guests that he has on. I guess I got to wear my hard hat. I got to have you know, like protection or what I might have to have full football pads. Come on in there. Yeah, you might you might be doing that uh, for this game uh, this weekend. And uh, we will see. I, I will I will further put the mojo out there that the last time that the Buccaneers played the Eagles was closing down Veteran Stadium. You remember it all too oh, well. Ronde Barber, 92 yards the other way for the NFC title game. I know that was a long time ago for the millennials. They don't know what we're talking about. But the Buc- we even go back, Eagles and Bucks, to the first ever Buccaneer playoff win, which was over the Eagles and Ron Jaworski with Leroy Selman sacking jaws three times in that game. Doug Williams, the Buccaneers and the creamsicle orange won their first ever playoff game the first ever playoff game they played and won it against the eagles there's great buccaneer mojo against the eagles in the postseason brother don't try to sour that for me going into sunday come on we, you, you brought it up and it's true we are going to exercise the demon that haunted veteran stadium with that uh barber uh interception do ISIS out of the NFC championship. And that's, that's what we got to do with Sunday. So, all right, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, I did, I'll, I'll prompt you here. I, I have already taken the 49ers earlier on this podcast. If I have one underdog this weekend, of course, I'm not taking the Eagles against the Buccaneers. I work for the Bucs, <laughs> but uh, if the 49ers in the game later on Sunday against the Cowboys would be my underdog, save for your Eagles prediction here. Is there another doggy out of, let me get them all right. Raiders, Patriots, also the Steelers on uh, Sunday night. And am I leaving one out? Uh, the Cardinals, the Cardinals against uh, the Rams coming as well. Is there another of those four underdogs that might intrigue you? Or maybe you agree with me about San Francisco? Yeah, I'm actually with you on the 49ers. I, I like them to win that game outright. If you can find the three and a half, that feels pretty good. I think they'll be able to attack the middle of the field. I think George Kittle should have a nice game for them. And, and I think they're going to have struggle. Uh, I think they're really going to struggle tackling Debo Samuel. And you, you've seen the 49ers in the, in the playoffs sometimes roll out this very run heavy attack and really put teams on their heels. And I think you can do that against this Dallas Cowboys team. We'll see if that is the case. Again, the entrees on Sunday are Bucks Eagles up first in the one Eastern time, 10 Pacific game, followed by Cowboys 
and 49ers. The Chiefs play the Steelers later on Sunday night. We're ready to see all of this happen on the wild card weekend. And again, the diehard Eagles podcast, the sports gambling podcast, all part of the SGPN network. I love Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, Colby Dan, all my guys. You and I are still going to be friends after yeah. this is all over with. Don't worry. Tom Brady you. puts 350 <laughs> yards and four more touchdowns on the Eagles, and you have a long Sunday. We'll still be friends when this is all over with, Sean Green. I'm looking hey. forward to it. Yeah, don't let Jalen Hurts break your heart, TJ. That's all I have to say. I love that. Thank you, Sean. Uh, good luck with everything, including the Die Hard Eagles podcast. We encourage people again. I'm coming in there with the helmet, with the with, with I need protection to come in there. They can catch that podcast later in the week before Eagles and Buccaneers. Thank you, Sean. All right. Thanks, TJ. Go birds. And that will do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Many thanks to all the guests. Kevin Rogers, Vegas Insider, Charles Davis, the NFL on CBS, Anthony Becht with the coverage from Westwood One and also Buccaneers Radio this past weekend, and Sean Green of the Die Hard Eagles podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows. Love all their insight. Again, Kevin going with the Arizona Cardinals Monday night. Uh, Sean Green loves his Eagles against my Buccaneers. I love the 49ers against the Dallas Cowboys in that upcoming matchup in Dallas on Sunday. Again, we kind of left alone the Raiders and the matchup with Cincinnati. I, I was on the Raiders against Cincinnati at home earlier in the year, and Cincinnati bombed them. I, I got to stay away from that game, of course. Uh, Buffalo and New England uh, for Saturday night, and then also Kansas City-Pittsburgh. Is that going to be a replay of the blowout by the Chiefs in the game just a couple of weeks ago? Uh, we'll see to end the triple header on Sunday. And then the Cardinals and Rams playing the first ever Monday night game. We'll see what happens with all the underdogs. Many thanks to the guests. Thanks to you for finding us again. If you did not and do not already subscribe, do so. Follow or subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, you can find Three Dog Thursday. Many thanks again to the guys at the Sports Gambling Podcast and their network of shows for helping promote us, including on the website. Now we are good. Wild Card Weekend. We're back next week to talk more NFL playoffs. We love handicapping those doggies. Woof, woof. And by the way, if the 49ers win, the 49ers go to Green Bay. And that means either the Rams or the Cardinals are coming to Tampa Bay if they win. It's all got to sort out in the NFC and the AFC. The Titans are sitting back. The Titans are the Chiefs are the top two teams. But why do I get the feeling the AFC may be wide open as well? Get ready for all of it. We're here to talk all about it on Three Dog Thursday. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the wild card weekend. Bye.